what? Beast from beyond. Beyond what? Well, let's do it. Okay. Welcome, dear listeners, to Chewing the Scenery Horror Movie Podcast. We're your uh, podcast that talks about horror movies. We're not critics, and we do spoil movies. So now that you know those things, you know what to do. <laughs> no, please stay. Yeah, you could stay, and you know you could always give us a favorable rating. We actually had a really good review on iTunes, which uh, maybe we'll uh, pull that up and read it later because it's it's super how, nice. How about that like you got from that band? Yeah, you know, let me see about that real quick. I don't know if it was a band or not, but um, getting used to the phone here with a different unlock. Yes, we did the uh, zombie. Zombie 2 last week. Yeah. This week. Well, yeah, it just dropped. This um, week's episode, which we recorded <laughs> last week. We're in a time oh, of y'all. Mind blown. We will be talking about next week's episode tonight. Yeah. Oh. Now I'm confused. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> so, we got, a, we got a like. Well, we got two likes from uh, an Instagram user, which... Um, I would translate this name as Golden Monkey. It's spelled G-L-D-N-M-N-K-Y. And they liked two of our um, zombie things that we put up on Instagram. So I click on them to go give them some likes back because, you know, that's the cool thing to do. And I see this really cool thing where there is a band playing. And if we look at this, the shark versus zombie scene is behind them. And they're playing... Um, Fabrio Frizzi's uh, theme from Zombie. So if you mm. look at, the, I'm showing this to Jolian because I, I'm sure our oh. listeners care. But if you go check out that user, uh, you'll see this. And if you tap on it, you'll hear the sound with it. But um, it was really cool because the projection behind them is massive. And I don't know if mm-hmm. it's Fabrio himself or someone else. It could be because he tours and he plays a medley of this. So it could be him. Yeah. Did I just hear Leela bark? Possibly. <laughs> well, we'll let her in. Yeah, and it, it, it's so close to the uh, soundtrack. That's probably... That could be... So we'll... Oh, we'll have to look into that. You know, I'll, I'll comment on that before next episode and such see a, if... Such a beautiful scene. <laughs> it's mesmerizing. <laughs> this guy in zombie makeup wrestling with a drugged-out shark. That shark is so high. <laughs> so... What a great movie. <laughs> I just want to watch it again. Watch it again. Um, so uh, for anyone who's just jumping on this whole thing because it's October and we love Halloween and people are trying their best to do their 31 days of Halloween horror movie challenge. Um, some of you may be new to us. We're your hosts. I'm Richard. I'm here with Jolian and Will. Hello. And... Um, we're going to talk about three The Thing movies. So these three mm. things. We three things. <laughs> we three things. <laughs> but before we do that... Um, you want to thank the moon rays? Yeah, let's thank the moon rays. Good. Thank you, moon rays. Yeah. They give us that cool intro, intro creature features mm-hmm. that leads into this part where we're talking. And uh, that's very nice of them. Yeah. So what have you watched since last time, Will? Um, I watched, 
under the skin. Oh. The silenced. Um, Not seen the silenced. The orphanage. Mm. The thing from another world. <laughs> the thing. 2011. Carpenter's thing. <laughs> and the thing's 2011. Um, and I think I slipped in a couple episodes of oranges. The or what, black. What's the silence? Black. The silenced was a Korean movie. I would say it's almost a subgenre sub now. The wartime haunted schoolhouse mm. kind of. Oh yeah. Uh, Devil's Backbone mm-hmm. was that way. Never uh, Lake was that way. Yeah, there's been a lot of them. Session nine, sort of. It was an insane asylum, but turns out this one had a big twist. Instead of being, you think it's ghosts, but it turns out it's a Japanese secret super soldier program that they're oh. testing on Korean girls. I thought you were going to say it turns out to be the janitor. No. <laughs> like, well, um, man, it was a janitor. <laughs> I'd give it a C. Okay. It was well shot. It was kind of interesting, but all in all, I think the story fell apart. Um, Under the Skin was probably the best mm. thing I've watched. Such a creepy soundtrack. In, in a long time. Mm. That is one of the few films that I know exactly as much as I knew when I went into it, <laughs> having watched it all, which is to say almost nothing. Mm. But wow. Yeah. That's a good Wow. One. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that. I have not seen it. Oh, my God. It's on Amazon Prime. Yes. Go watch it. I'll, I'll, okay. Stop I'll, right um, now. Go. Okay. Bye, guys. I've got it on Blu-ray. I'll lend oh, it cool. to you. Fantastic well, I've got Prime. Soundtrack. I can watch it anytime. Yeah, we, we should do that one someday. It's okay. Pretty disturbing. Are you, yes. have, have you been, uh, you, you, you named several movies, Will. Have you been doing a 31 yeah. challenge? Yeah. Unfortunately, yesterday I broke my own rule. I was only going to watch things I had not seen. Okay. I've seen Thing from Another World and The Thing 1982. <laughs> uh, I decided two of them, though I had seen it, would count. If I had to watch yeah. that movie back, you know, both of those back to back. I think that's fair because there are people who allow themselves to skip a couple days because they couldn't get around to doing it and then watch an extra movie on the weekend or something. But yeah, that's that's bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> what you did was was the right way to break a rule. October's yeah. getting to be too much work. I tried yeah. <laughs> Halloween. There's 31 days of Halloween. There's Inktober. There's yeah. Phantasm Ravager. <laughs> That's going to require our attention. Halloween used to be the best holiday because you just didn't have to work at it. Right. Didn't have to buy presents or anything. Yeah. Well, so... But now, now, like, like the house across the street from us, they're building a pirate ship coming out of their front wall and (laughs) surrounded by ghost pirates. And and, uh, when you walk by it, it it activates voices and things. It's ridiculous. Yeah, that's a little over the top. <laughs> Best neighbors to have. I, I like it. Yeah. <laughs> I like the Pat Oswalt joke that talks about in the suburbs, you know, Halloween is, you know, they'll have bodies hanging from trees. Mm-hmm. But he lives somewhere in L.A., I think. He's like, downtown, nobody nobody puts anything up mm-hmm. for Halloween. Maybe a paper skeleton. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But they just go all out in the suburbs. Yeah, I tried to watch a third movie, but I just, I couldn't do it. Mm. Um, I went through Amazon and picked out 
I hope, a lot of real winners. <laughs> Surprisingly, Eugenia has been watching these with me. And you do have Netflix. Mm-hmm. Now, um, and when we get... I around, have Hulu, Netflix, Amazon, Prime. Amazon, the entire internet. <laughs> it's at your disposal. It's your playground. It's your ashtray. Yeah. It's your toilet. <laughs> it's whatever you want it to be. Mother, teacher, secret lover. <laughs> That's right. You know, a lot of the off the cuff stuff that, that we say ends up in the description of the episode. I don't know if you read the descriptions. Oh, the well. descriptions are fantastic. Well, thank I love you. reading the descriptions. Yeah. Listeners, if you wonder, it's me, Richard. I write those. <laughs> and you won't know what any of it means unless you watch the episode. Listen Is there a to damn the episode. spider up there or something? No. It's, it's a fucking mosquito. Hold yeah, on. Yeah, I was trying to see if it was a mosquito or not. It was a mosquito. Got it. <laughs> It's Death little, on the air. It's a little late for this, isn't we, it? I just killed one earlier this evening. Murder. It's the last desperate drive for blood before winter. Yeah. Yep. What are they going to do with it? They're just going to fly around, get too cold, and they die. Hibernate. They're going to make us itch. Uh, was that was that it for yours? Or? That's it for okay. me. What have you watched, Richard? Well, I jumped right into watching The Warriors, which I think, mm. was that 82? 1982? I want to say it the was. The Gang? Yeah, the gang movie, The Warriors. This is 78. Oh, you're right. What was I thinking of? I even wrote it down. The Thing came out in 82. That's As did E.T. Yeah. And Poltergeist. And Blade Runner. I think Blade Runner. If I had thought about it for more than a second and a half, I would have realized it was from the 70s because of those haircuts and those clothes and the guy on roller skates. God, and... I wish that was a horror movie. We could watch that. <laughs> oh, man, that would be so nice. <laughs> that... We... You know what? We can do a not-horror movie sometime. <laughs> or we could compare a non-horror to a horror movie. Um, so uh, I saw something on uh, ye old internet. It was probably on Facebook or something. It's like, here's you know, like 25 movies that are ending soon on Netflix. Oh, my God. Yeah. So I looked at it, and, and like they used the picture from The Warriors, or it was high on the list. And I went, oh, shit. I was wanting to rewatch that. I haven't seen it in a long time. Oh, so you had seen it before. I had. So I went ahead and watched it with new eyes and it it was um it was done very competently very well um they <laughs> i doubt that the new york gangs ever had that much um how shall i say cohesiveness in their look like i don't think there were that many themed gangs i love the themed gangs that's what makes that that movie so great when they have that big rally that big meeting and cyrus is presiding over them yeah and you look in the crowd and there's a bunch of mimes i just about died laughing (laughs) it's the baseball guys the mimes the baseball team is great like whatever you could think of the mimes don't actually have any weapons they just just act like they're swinging a chain at you yeah they didn't last long yeah so uh I enjoyed it. I really did. It was fun to watch that one. And it, it had some of the stuff that really belonged to its era. Uh, I think some of the look of it and some of the sound of it was was kind of uh, um, foretelling what the 80s would be like. Because it had a lot of the synth and, you know, the, the color was really saturated. And mm-hmm. it looked like an 80s movie. I think that's why that yeah, popped into my head. it did influence all those Italian New York 2020 <laughs> movies, you know. Yeah. Oh, you got to love that. And I am also doing a 31 Days of Halloween Horror Movie Challenge. So I started out with Mexico Barbaro. 
Mexico Barbaro to you gringos. Uh, it's a 2015 movie. It's an anthology thing with a, like, I think five or six, I think six stories. And um, they're from different writers, directors, and some of them are really good. Some of them are like, oh man, I could tell you how to fix that. <laughs> like, you just switch this around a little and get rid of that thing and you're good. Uh, but, you know, that's just me being... Why did you miss the obvious? Yeah, how did you miss the obvious? Uh, I watched Hatchet, um, Adam Green, who um, I was lucky enough to meet him after a screening of Hatchet 2, almost exactly a year ago. Um, it was nice to watch the original Hatchet. I had not seen this one. I started in reverse. I watched the third one. Then I went and saw the screening of the second one, which he carries the 35 millimeter print with him. It's fantastic. And he did a Q&A with Kane Hodder. Uh, I have the audio, and if I can ever get uh, his attention on, uh, I don't know, Instagram or Twitter or whatever, we'll get the okay, we'll run it. It's a, it's a good Q&A. And I got a couple questions in. I watched The Thing from Another World. Um, that was my third day of the 31 days. And I did watch The Thing from 2011 and The Thing from 1982. The thing from 1982. <laughs> it came from 82. <laughs> New from Orion Pictures. The Turning thing into from a <laughs> Rubik's Cube and a Teddy Ruxman <laughs> yeah. with Madonna's face. Yeah. <laughs> it had like a grid with like slashy lettering over oh, it. Oh, man. A turquoise background. Pink. It looked like a Nagel print at one point. <laughs> oh, fuck. I love Nagel. <laughs> it was There's... all flat and airbrushy. Have you seen that guy who's doing Nagel's style, but kind of updated, kind of tuned up, and he's doing like really cool stuff like Blade Runner and Star Wars stuff? I've not seen it. It's, I want to say it's Craig Drake. I'm pretty sure that's the right name. Uh, look him up anyway. Uh his stuff is amazing, and it looks like Patrick Nagel's stuff. Oh, man. It's really cool. Uh, and I have slated for day six, The Hills Have Eyes. I haven't figured out what tonight's movie is going to be. I think I was going to watch something that wasn't The Hills Have Eyes. Is that the original Hills Have Eyes? Uh, yeah, that's what I have on here, the one okay. from 77. That's going to be the next one. I feel like I started something. Amazon had a couple of... Short, uh, they look like basically British ghost stories. So they'd be like, I think, put on TV at some point, and they're only maybe 40 minutes long. Mm. So if you if you need something short, uh, I couldn't tell you any of the titles, though. Cause... In the 70s, they used to do things like, uh, at Christmas, they'd have a ghost story. So they'd have M.R. Yeah. James or Charles Dickens' ghost story. Mm-hmm. This seems to be the same sort of thing, but I believe, well, I mean, they don't have Halloween, but same sort of spooky. Uh, one of them, I think, had a couple detectives. It looked very 90s BBC, at least from the little production photo. But it could have been earlier, I don't know. A lot of them on Amazon will tell you the year it was added to Amazon. Right, right. (laughs) It doesn't tell you anything, you know. But I saved a bunch of them, so. Good to know. I just remembered what it was. I was going to watch, um, to be fair to dear Rob Zombie, I was going to rewatch The Lords of Salem tonight. Give it another shot. Now, there's some stuff I remember liking about it, but I felt like he broke that rule of don't show the monster so damn much. I think it was like, here's the witches. Woo! We're following <laughs> along with the witches. We're hanging out with them. They're kind of in the whole movie. And 
maybe I'm being a dick. So um, I want to be fair and go back and watch it. Um, I do plan to watch Rob Zombie's 31. I do plan to watch Phantasm Ravager, and I want to invite you guys over if you want to watch it. Like, yeah. We mm-hmm. could just do the um, video on demand here and then do an episode about that Okay. in the future. But uh, why not? I mean, they finally did it, and Angus Scrim got his work done just before it was time to go get stuffed in a graveyard himself <laughs> or they were at least willing to stand up his corpse and shoot, <laughs> shoot from far away <laughs> a weekend at tall man's i think is going to be the the next sequel so that's everything i have watched or intend to watch soon um i've got an endless list of things that could be watched in october Jolien, what have you watched uh well i watched the three things and uh i watched another noir um it was a western noir oh, nice. called Station West hmm. from '48. It's got Dick Powell and Jane oh. Greer in it, so you, All right. you know yeah, them yeah. from famous noir. Raymond Burr in it. Oh. Uh, Charles Middleton turns up as a sheriff briefly. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, it's really cool. It, it's just like um, uh, Murder My Sweet, except a western. You know, it's oh nice. Uh, you know, he, he blows into town. He, he, he's he's actually investigating these gold robberies but um you never see a bar of gold in the whole movie it's yeah. all it's all him sparring with the women and it's the cardinal rule of out, don't show the gold witting the men and like getting knocked out occasionally and oh it's uh yeah it's very entertaining i'm gonna have to watch that yeah Station murder West. my sweet is fantastic yeah yeah it's so entertaining it's just like archetypal oh yeah it's pretty movie. close to the book too yeah yeah um yeah so Oh, and we've we've been watching um, Elementary season four. It's a good show. Yeah, excellent show. I like that one. It's got an authentic English guy in it. Right. Just like this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> what what else do we have in in common with uh, Elementary? Uh, uh, we're all it. super smart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Two out of three. <laughs> what else? That's it. That's it. Um, have either of you gotten interested in this uh, reboot thing of Westworld? Yeah, I'd like I, to I check it out at it. some yeah. point. Yeah, I watched the first episode. I uh, Some younger viewers may not be familiar with the source material and start wondering, is this a virtual reality thing? Is it like Hunger Games where there's like this, you know, uh, this virtual world that they can move things around? And I think they don't realize it's just androids, mm. um, but there are other tools for programming or setting up scenarios that that may involve uh, different things to do with the computer. So it's uh, it's worth, I think, going back and watching the original Westworld, mm-hmm. if you're not familiar. Um, I remember it. It's been a long, long time since I've seen it, probably before The Warriors, uh, for me anyway. Yeah. So it looked good. Uh had a great cast. It was written well. Uh, I wasn't bored watching it, so I'm going to go forward and see where they take it. I don't know how many seasons you could do that thing. Mm. And then if you remember, they did a sequel back in the 70s called Future World. Yes. Yes. I don't know if either of those hold up. I would have to rewatch. Either of those? Yeah, I don't know if they do. The original movie? Yeah. Is excellent. Okay. Good to know. Yeah. I'm going on remembering it being excellent, 
but that doesn't mean it really was. Uh, and if you want to watch it this month, and you'll notice how um, uh, the Yul Brynner character influenced like Michael Myers and the Terminator. Oh, that yeah. I always thought the Terminator was pretty much lifted directly from Westworld. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was the Terminator with a cowboy hat. Yeah, like Schwarzenegger has said, he, he, he really liked the way that the Brynner android, he kind of fixes his eyes on his target and he just goes forward. Yeah, uh, not to be stopped. Right. Yeah. Yul Brynner was amazing in that movie. Mm-hmm. I do remember that. And I hope the rest of it surrounding him doesn't suck because... Oh, I'm no, it's really good. good. Glad to hear your endorsement. Yeah. <laughs> Future World, I, I don't think I've seen more than once. I, I don't remember it being as good, but, um, you know, I'll have to see it again sometime. I'm guessing they put everybody in shiny jumpsuits. I forget what they do. Gave them laser guns. I know I've <laughs> seen that one. Yeah. <clears throat> Mindy Racer. How'd they get all that uh, from the local weekly free paper, though? I've read that paper for years. I've never read anything about killer androids or future <laughs> worlds or anything. Nope. Nope. <laughs> I'm not sure what you meant. <laughs> westward. Oh, the Westward. Oh, oh I got you. God. For people outside of Denver, our local alternative rag is called... Or the... rather, people inside Denver, evidently. <laughs> 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 Only people at this table didn't get it. Uh, no Westward. Westward. Before yeah. I moved up here, we looked at that, uh, their website a couple times, and that's what I always thought of was Westworld. Yeah, I think I did too. Which Westward. Yeah. So, should we talk about that movie? That yeah. movie? That I way. watched the same movie three times in a row. <laughs> And I read a short story that had the same subject. Mm-hmm. Holy mackerel. And a radio show. And, oh. a, and comics. Oh, I didn't listen to the radio show. Yeah. I, I did put the commentary on for my rewatch of John Carpenter's The Thing. Okay. And that was yeah, interesting. Yeah, really entertaining, isn't it? It's John Carpenter and Kurt Russell. Yeah. Yeah. And I think he's on better behavior because a lot of people talk about how cranky he seems to be. <laughs> but I think when he's around... Oh, no, that's a fun... Yeah, when he's around Jamie Lee Curtis or Kurt Russell, he's like, hey, all right. <laughs> so that was cool. So what was your first experience with the original 1982 John Carpenter's The Thing, Julian? Uh, at Film Society, so they had it on the big screen. Nice. So about what year did you see it? I don't know, it's a bit of late 80s. All right. So it had a reputation. You were familiar with the mm-hmm. idea of it. Mm-hmm. Did it blow your mind? It didn't blow my mind. I, I thought, wow, this is, uh, you know, I, I've got to see this several times. Yeah. It's excellent. Um, Rick Baker did the special effects. Rob Bottin. No, Rob Bottin. Damn it. Um, Rick yeah, Baker. Stan Winston did the uh, yeah. the dog creature in the when it's in this cage. Right. The, the, was was this involved with the American Werewolf in London switcheroo with who was going to do which movie? I got it backward, but I, I thought that Rob Bottin was going to do American Werewolf in London or Rick Baker was going to do the thing. And then they one of them got on the other project and they had to switch One it. of them got on the wrong plane. Yeah. Ended up in Antarctica. <laughs> it was a big... There was this helicopter chasing a dog. I don't know, but they've they got some pretty famous special effects people working on it, like uh, Jim Danforth and Albert Whitlock. It's one of the last movies Albert Whitlock did. 
I'm really distracted by the fact that there's a helicopter right outside <laughs> our studio. Yeah, right they're now. shooting at that dog. What's up with that? <laughs> so the, the the practical effects look really good for the most part. There's a few oh, things yeah. that, that look a little stiff or vague. But yeah, some of it looks like that 80s kind of that slimy yeah. plastic monster thing. But uh, you get so drawn into it, you know. And most most of it just looks fantastic. Yeah. For the most part, the puppeteering and the reverse shots of things, all they all work. Mm-hmm. It's like, how do we make that thing shoot a tentacle out and wrap around something? Yeah. yeah. Wrap it's it around like, something and, you, and then yank it. You know, they have to figure out <laughs> how to reverse. do that all physically. Yeah. So. And Sam Raimi did it with, uh, like, almost no budget at all in his mm-hmm. Evil Dead movies. So, nothing wrong there. <laughs> Will, do you remember your first experience watching this one? Uh, it would have been the late 80s, I imagine. Yeah. I saw it on video a couple times. And then the mid-90s, I think, TNT ran this movie constantly. <laughs> they ran it 24 hours a day. So you could turn it on and watch sections of the thing. It's like it's like a, a Christmas story yeah. <laughs> running on TNT. Uh Blues Brothers. I've I've seen the whole movie. I've never watched the movie all the way through. Oh, right. I just watched it on TNT in bits <laughs> over to, the years. You have to mentally paste it together. Yeah. So I'd, I'd watch till I'd see a part I remember and be like, oh, okay. All right. That's my bit for Blues Brothers this year. Yeah. It's all patched together now. Yeah. It probably makes about as much sense all the way through. Yeah. So were you, uh, do you remember being um, impressed by the John Carpenter's The Thing? Oh, of course. It was bloody and slimy and everything good. Yeah. Uh, It lacked nudity, but, you know. (laughs) I have to say, though, there is something wrong about this movie. (laughs) What do you mean? I'm not quite sure, but I've watched The Thing a number of times in... There is something there. There is some intangible quality. I cannot, for the life of me, name. But I find that there's something off about this film. All right. That means something's working, I think. Yeah. And, uh, <clears throat> yeah, I don't know what it is. Yeah, I kind of wonder if, if that's like, if the mood is supposed to f- make you just feel uneasy, like... Like if it if it's meant to involve the viewer in that way, like a lot of movies are just like we're gonna, you know, tantalize your oh, senses okay, yeah. and just parade it around in front of your face, and this one is like no, we're drawing you in, we're making you feel what they're feeling. The only thing I can come up with is I think they show the monster too much too soon. Yeah, and so by the time it attacks for the like the third time, you're bored with it. Um. <laughs> Yeah, you should. I get think bored. they should have had a a bigger build up. It looks so different each time, though. It looked <clears throat> different each time, but it it was too seen. Even if it had popped up three times, if they hadn't shown it so much, because you get such an eyeful, and I can understand why, because it looks great, but I think it really kills some of the suspense that. Something like Alien, which is essentially the same movie. Uh, it being in the darkness and mm-hmm. you don't see it, I think made it a lot scarier. 
yeah, if you only get fleeting glimpses and uh, just these kind of partial views of things or shadowy views of things, I, I think that really helps. And I also feel like they don't quite play up the uh, identity absorbing. I mean, they, they talk about it and everything, but they don't play up the paranoia, I think, between the men. I think it could be hiding in anyone. That... I think it's there. It's definitely there. It's not like the movie totally missed it. But I think there you can tell they're just waiting. And, and the 2011 one does it too. They just want it to explode and get people. And right. I think if there was a little more, who is it? Who is it? And people keep disappearing. You could add a little more suspense. I th that's as close as I can come to what I think might be a problem with this film. Well, yeah, I, I would say that they they do a they do a good job of pointing out that it could be hiding in anyone, but yeah, I would say increasing. I mean, they the, do increasing have, the paranoia would help. They have the great scene with the blood right. and the wire. I think that is my favorite scene in the movie, because when that you know that jumps coming, you know mm -hmm. it's one of those. Oh, and yeah. when it does it, it gets me every time. I think that monster scene is really effective. Yeah, I think. And this is only because I love it, is when the torso turns into big teeth and bites the guy's arms <laughs> oh, off. Oh, that's so funny, yeah. You know, it's something about, maybe it's the dogs. I think it's, I think it's just, they show too much of it too soon. I think they could have had a little more build up. I think that's fair. Um, and I still, I still like this yeah. movie. Yeah, it's, it's, it's good that something, I think, uh makes us think that much as far as like, Oh, how could this be even better? I mean, there's no, there's no problem with it. it is really that good, but, uh, and some of it may be by the time I saw it, it was kind of overhyped as being so scary and it wasn't terribly scary. I found the original one scarier, although I saw it when I was about five, <laughs> but the fact that you didn't see the monster very much and you didn't know what the spaceship was, it, it was a lot, more in your head yeah um that was pretty traumatic for a lot of kids when yeah it, when it came out i imagine we my mom turned it on and i was just like <laughs> so fascinated with yeah. the fact there would be a buried spaceship who would ever think of that yeah that's amazing and then it turned out to be some killer and killer monster in there yeah that was pretty cool yeah yeah the block of ice was bigger than i would have thought when they when they chipped it out, well, he's eight feet tall. Right. In the story, he's got red eyes. Nice. An inhuman form. Eyes. Yeah. Yeah, I, I would say um, showing showing the monster too much is is one of the things that it's like. How do you know when you're when you're filming this, when you're editing this? How do you know where the line is on what's too much? And I think you're too in it to really know. And there could be other edits later on to to maybe change that. But so uh, I think, and I hate to bring it up again, but entrails of a beautiful woman. <laughs> you're haunted by that. Everything, so it wasn't frightening. But right. if they had implied more, oh man, I couldn't handle that. Right. But because of the cartooniness and okay. overtopness, and I think the thing kind of ventures into that schlocky territory. Um, 
it's not quite dropping watermelons, you know. <laughs> right. Uh, that damn that movie. <laughs> <laughs> you are haunted by. It. I am haunted by that movie. Well, it's my new Buffalo '66. <laughs> I thought about Buffalo '66 for years after seeing it. Just at random times, it jumped into my head, and I'd have to think, "What the hell was that movie about? Why was it so good? <laughs> what was it trying to say to me, man?" Yeah. <clears throat> well, overall, um, when when you saw the original The Thing from Another World, uh, you were pretty young. It probably wasn't as much in your head when you saw the John Carpenter one, or was it? I mean, you weren't really comparing, like, oh, what's this going to be like? I think I was comparing the scariness. Okay. I think I was expecting a little more scariness, and I think I remember seeing it. I remember kind of thinking this every time I've watched it since is that sense of there's too much on the screen. It's going for almost gore, but it doesn't even quite have that. Okay. I think they just, I think they needed to show it less. I would say that's probably fair. Um, one of the things... <clears throat> that I at think... the same time, the time it was made, it was amazing looking. So I can well, sure. totally understand wanting to show off your monster. Oh, as much as possible, I guess. Yeah, that would make sense. So I think he had a real. <clears throat> I think John Carpenter had a real balancing act there, and I don't think he quite made it. It was close, you know. If anything, but I think something I said last episode, where I had watched Night of the Living Dead with my my nephew, my sister, and my brother in law. Um, Something that works because it was filmed by people who were TV people originally, commercial making people episodes of TV and all that stuff. And it was a different time and they were using, you know, very authentic looking grainy film and uh, actual newscasters. I think there was something that made that feel like it, it was like a newscast. It was a documentary. And the original The Thing from Another World kind of did the same thing. So anything from the 40s or 50s and not as much in the 60s, because I think a lot of people tried to go with everything that was new. Night of the Living Dead didn't because, well, they had to film in black and white to, you know, be able to afford to film it at all. So anything kind of from two decades and then hit or miss on another decade kind of can hit home a little more because it feels like people were kind of more sincere and more, you know, uh, morally upstanding and they wouldn't. You know, they wouldn't give us monsters if they if there wasn't something to it. I think there's something about that that's in your subconscious that just says, "No, this is real." Um, Possibly. You know that maybe that's an element of it for me anyway. That's yeah, I, that's kind of like what I feel about Nosferatu. That it's <clears throat> it's so weird and of such another time. Yeah. Even though it's only 1927, Yeah. Uh, but it feels like why would someone make something like that back then? Yeah, that wasn't it what feels. People... It feels even older than the you know, twenty two. Yeah, it feels like some sort of mid nineteenth century movie if they could exist. Right, or some sort of sort of nightmare movie. I don't know. I gotcha. So, um, Jolene, did you? Uh, you feel like they they could have shown the monster a little less? No, I, I it's it, it's one thing with like zombies and so on. Uh, they're pretty familiar. Okay. 
like even you know, I, I know that the Romero ones are like new because they they're, they're flesh you know they weren't voodoo zombies but right. still you're familiar with what a zombie looks like right but uh, the thing is just so strange on a really <clears throat> deep level uh, it's always changing and it's like what is that what are these shapes you know I've seen dogs and people and things that I've never seen before all mixed together and right. it looks different each time it pops up you know it's just uh, uh, <clears throat> you know it's, a, it's, it's like a fascination to it and like several times in the movie people are just st- st- staring at it because it's changing in front of their eyes right. you know it's opening up like a flower or something like that and and uh, you know, it's part terror and part just like their minds can't deal with this such strangeness happening in front of them. So you mentioned the one where it opens up like a flower. You know what that always makes me think of? That cartoon where the witch turns Daffy Duck into that weird creature, and he's got like a daisy kind of oh, yes, collar and... <laughs> around his head. <laughs> just reminds me of that for some reason. Yeah. Totally off the subject. Uh, do you feel like? Carpenter could have played up the paranoia between the men. Like um, this is like what's it, an hour forty-eight. Yeah, I mean, it's got a lot to do. It's got several characters. It's, yeah, it's got a lot to do. It it moves along. It's it's a short amount of time. That's, that's yeah. I mean, first time around, I didn't know who anyone was. The bunch of guys with beards. Right. Yeah. And uh, it is like about third, fourth time I was starting to follow different characters and. Yeah, be able to pick up on you know, or, you know, are they changing at this point or not? Uh huh. It gets more interesting every time I see it, really. Yeah, yeah, it does. I it took me several, uh, several watches to actually. I think that may be a slight problem is the characters feel a little, and, the, and I think it's just because it speeds along so quickly, but they feel a little flat. When you first see them, because yeah, you like, don't know now, now anything I, now about. Now I know them. They're, they're like uh, mm-hmm. you can see all the individuals, and you know, I, I can, you know, tell you their names and stuff. But the first couple of times I saw this yeah, movie, there's just, just like so much bearded guys in, and so many things. concepts and themes going on. It's just uh, yeah, I had no time to think about who was who. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I do like it more every time I see it. Yeah, uh, yeah, I can't. I can't say that I would want someone to go and change it. I mean, I honestly. Oh no, I don't yeah. think so. Well, it's like the the, um, the fifties one. They went through loads of designs for what the creature would look like. Yeah. And at one point, they. Uh, um, I've left all my research behind, but um, this this guy who went on to work for Disney, uh, Goff, someone Goff. But anyway, he he apparently he did some sketches where it's more of a tentacled kind of spidery thing, mm. uh, and then they had apparently there was like a test footage where they had this guy who had one leg he'd lost a leg in the war or something, and uh, they had him with like extending arms and things like that. They showed some test footage. Wow. And they just thought it was just too weird. Ah. Uh. <laughs> um, you know, because uh, this is this was the first science fiction monster movie, so. It, I think it suffers a bit now at present because at the moment people are saying, oh, the Carpenter one, you know, lost a lot of money and, uh, uh, you know, it, it got all these bad reviews and stuff and we're championing it at the expense of the older one. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I, I think the, the old one 
you know, hopefully in the near future, people will come back around to it, saying, you know, be able to put it in context. You know, this was, it, people look at it, I've seen several reviews where they say, oh, it's, uh, you know, typical 50s monster cliches. Uh, but, you know, every seminal film, if you're, if you don't put it in context, then it's going to seem cliched uh-huh. because that's the movie that set all those cliches yeah, off. Yeah, that's the one they robbed from. Right. So exactly. Yeah, you go back and watch the the original thing movie, and and this is where all you know so many things came from, like Alien. Yeah, right. I absolutely love the original thing movie. Yeah, it's up there. I just I don't know. It's fantastic still. Mm-hmm. I I was I was like fantasizing. What if they they could take that that photography? those characters and have the modern monster oh that'd be fantastic i bet you, i bet somebody could fan at it that. that would look cool but that that'd be like a prequel i'd like to see <laughs> yeah <laughs> whatever I, I wish more young people would kind of um dive into watching black and white movies because uh some of it just looks amazing and you can't rely on color for anything because mm-hmm. there wasn't color available uh, some stuff was done in black and white after color was available, but uh, I, I think it just looks gorgeous in black and mm-hmm. white. I can't imagine the 1951 movie in color. And that's the only thing movie which was a hit. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, yeah. the critics the other, the other did not lost, like... lost money. It's yeah. all because of James Arness. <laughs> People just... They James Arness can put asses in the seat, they used to say. <laughs> they used to say... Everybody loves that tall son of a bitch. Except Peter Graves. Peter Graves hated James Arnest. <laughs> really? No, they're brothers. <laughs> well, <that> doesn't stop <laughs> him. <laughs> right, that could happen. No, he was, you know, he was in Them. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it was two very important sci-fi horror monster movies. Yeah, and Kenneth Toby was in a bunch of monster movies. Like yeah. Joe Dante picked up all these guys, and like so, you see Kenneth Toby and yeah, yeah, a couple of the other guys from the thing turn up in Gremlins and yeah, yeah, matinee, yeah. So, um, as far as the original goes, uh, we've all rewatched it just recently. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Any uh, any major criticisms for it? I mean, g- given its time and what they were working with. Not really. I mean, it's a little corny by today's standards. No, that that one, I wish I'd seen the monster less. The first one, the original. Yeah, because like they yeah. went they went through these all these inter- iterations, and Howard Hawks had promised the uh, the producer, I forget his name, but uh, he'd said, "Oh, we're not just making another Frankenstein picture." And oh, then and that's they went through all these sketches and and concepts, and and finally said, "How oh, the hell would it just stick a Frankenstein?" monster head on him and uh get on with it but uh yeah i wish i'd seen less of him he just looks too ordinary for me he is he is a little ordinary uh i remember seeing less of him i don't i thought Mm -hmm. it was uh i did see too much of him yeah and it um i don't remember him him being seen that that much right uh, I mostly remember where he's lit on fire. And- yeah, yeah, that's a favorite. That's probably the first full body burn. It is a fantastic movies, scene. Yeah. Still, apparently the, the stuntman like, he had this like the helmet on and uh, and then he had this like hundred percent oxygen 
tank. <laughs> so this thing, <laughs> yeah, that could <laughs> like explode. If that had gone off, right? Uh, but yeah, luckily it didn't didn't explode. But yeah, if, the, if, if things had gone differently, we'd be talking about the movie where James Arness got killed. <laughs> right, right. Um, yeah, Tom something was doing the stunt, but um, yeah, they, they had several different people playing the thing, like like uh, at the climax where it gets melted down. <clears throat> Like there's this uh, guy, Billy Curtis, plays him when he's really small. Oh, okay. But, uh, yeah. Um, it's very impressive. And and it's like, uh, uh, this this came out in 51. So this and the day the earth stood still, you, you established the theremin as the sound of yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. outer space and aliens and stuff. Yeah, I love the day the earth stood still. Uh, yeah, it's a good, it's a good soundtrack to meet you, Tomkin. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and it's got, I love the scene, like Carpenter refers to it as, as where uh, they discover the, the a shape in the ice uh-huh. and they're not sure what shape it is. Yeah. And they fan out to the edges of the shape and they realize what it is. Yeah. yeah. There's that, a real sense of wonder there. Yeah. That I, I think is the scene that I got me that. as a kid. That yeah. was, you see that, that blew my little mind. Right. Right. It looks really cool when they do that. Yeah. And, you know, I think maybe some of the part where it sort of gets your imagination is um, when they would show you old films in, like, science class and you'd see, like, these expeditions to mm-hmm. different exotic places and cold places. You would see the stuff that just looks like, oh, these poor bastards aren't going to live. <laughs> They're all going to freeze to death. Right. This is terrible. And then you're seeing a movie where it's set you know, it's not just a 20 minute film of some people going and trying to reach the North Pole or some crap like that. Or, oh, here's guys who run the Iditarod. Now, this is something where it's like, oh, these these guys are actually uncovering a flying saucer. Mm-hmm. You know, they figured it out. And there's a dude frozen in a block of ice. Right. And one thing I will say that was impressive, and, and we could talk a little about the 2011 um Preboot. It was a a prequel and a reboot at the same time. I liked it. I thought it did pretty well. Everybody bitched about it. And I watched it for the first time uh, last night or night before. Uh, I I liked it. I felt like they showed the monster too much in a way that because it was CG, they could do anything with it. So they played around with it more and maybe they shouldn't have. but the cool thing they did was when that dude is in the room with the block of ice and you're thinking, oh, something's going to start happening. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, boom, it explodes out of it. It just shatters the ice and jumps out of it. That was really cool. That was a good idea because some idiot in the first movie throws an electric blanket over it. Like, right. that's a good idea. <laughs> I don't remember why he did that. And he's like, man, this is in my way. He gets freaked out by the eyes. Oh, so he was covering it up. Um yeah, he, he kind of takes over the watch. And I right. think the f- previous guy just wants to get out of the room. Right. So he doesn't tell him everything that he should or should not be doing. Like, oh, by the way, there's blankets. There's this blanket. And it doesn't look like a fancy blanket. It just looks like an ordinary army blanket. And, right. And and he, the eyes kind of, he feels them staring at him from the eyes. So he yeah. throws a blanket over it. Yeah. Holy crap. And then... then then the next, and then the camera goes in, and you see water start to drip down yeah. under the blanket. And apparently, that was very scary at the time. Oh yeah, and it's still pretty. Or oh, a hand slowly reaching out of a ominous. coffin scared the hell out of people back right, then. Right, right. 
you got to put that stuff in context, really, I think, because people don't understand now because our, you know, we've been overloaded. We, we've been so desensitized over the years that something like... Uh, people crawling out of coffins just is so, <laughs> so mundane. <laughs> it just happens all the time. You call those Tuesdays. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the, you know, possessions, uh, you know, the transmogrifications, whatever you want to call yeah. it. Uh, these things happen all the time now, and people don't give it a second thought. But back then, melting water? Uh, well, it just implies, like, that because... You sit, imagine you're a kid, you're watching this, and this movie credits you with enough smarts that it can just show you water start to drip from under a blanket. And then you know there's this guy and he's got his back turned to it. Uh huh. And you know something really awful is going to happen. It's, it, you just put it together in your brain and you go, uh oh. Yeah. It's not spelling it out for you, it's, uh, it gets into your mind. Yeah. It, it was. I think pretty effective, even mm-hmm. even as desensitized as I could admit to being. Yeah, how about, how about the scene where, it, like, uh, the the uh, he's he's what's his name? He's watching the Geiger counter, and and you know it's, it's clicking. Yeah. Something's getting nearer and nearer. Yeah, and they're all braced for it, and then uh, it suddenly crashes into the dorm room. And, oh yeah. Uh, Everything catches on fire and people are running around screaming and falling off the bed. And uh, uh, it's just such a chaotic, you know, violent scene. It's just unlike anything else before yeah. it. Right. Not uh, typical of its time. And again, anyone who bitches about that stuff being cliche has to understand it's where it started. Mm-hmm. And they weren't copying anybody. Yeah, and um, it is different to the short story. So tell, I don't know anything about the short story. You didn't read it? Didn't read it. Oh, okay. I thought I gave you the book. Yeah, um, you have the book somewhere around here. What? Yes. Yeah, so uh, uh, oh, uh, yeah. oh, shit, it's right there? Um, yeah. Yeah, John W. Campbell, he'd just taken over as being the editor in charge of, was it Astounding Science Fiction? Yeah. And, not, not Amazing Tales. Uh, so he, but he had this story called Who Goes There, so he... He he's it's published as being by Donna Stewart, which is his so, wife's name, yeah. Donna Stewart. <laughs> right, and um, uh, so in that one, Macready is a very verbose uh, explorer. meteorologist. Right, so it, it, there's like several two or three pages of him just describing them, the weather conditions and and going and, and out and what there. the guys look like and right right he, and, he has over a thousand different words for snow. Yeah, <laughs> so they go off on this expedition and they they find something that's been in, under the ice for eons and yeah and uh, yeah and then, then they make camp right next to it. And they they have this creepy feeling that something's in their brain, and it kind of implies telepathy. Yeah, the one guy start has he looked into its eyes, and he starts having dreams about it. Right, right. And he kind of knows that what it can do. Yeah, they kind of suggest that in the in the fifty one version. Yeah. Do they do they say in the Carpenter one? They suggest it might be telepathic. I don't. I don't get that sense I, at I all from the from the Carpenter one. That. I don't right. think it did. Whereas the fifty one and the yeah fifty one they definitely story. do because they say do you think it can read our minds and one of the guys mm-hmm. goes if it can read mine it's going to be angry yeah <laughs> um, but yeah so uh, so that that story came out in thirty eight and uh, yeah it's still well, well worth reading it's it's like a shapeshifter 
you, you know, it's called Who Goes There. It's the, the central idea is that pretty soon they, they're not sure which of them is human or not. Right. Yeah. Uh, you get different people becoming things um, to every other version. Mm-hmm. Uh, like in the radio version, Blair doesn't become a thing, but they, they kill him accidentally. They, yeah. They just burn him alive. Um, but anyway, um, shortly before that, there was the publication of, I think the year before, was the publication of uh, At the Mountains of Madness by H.P. Lovecraft. Okay. Which he, he actually wrote back in, like, 31. Uh, and it was it was inspired by various things, including the Polar Expedition, which was mm-hmm. really recent at the, at that time, which he was, you know, he'd, he'd always been, Lovecraft always been fascinated by polar exploration. Um, but yeah, that, that, so you have the idea of these ancient aliens. Yeah. Uh, shape-shifting aliens. He had, he had the, the Shoggoths. Um, yeah, I was, I was wondering that, uh, watching these again, what, mm-hmm. how much... Uh, mountains of madness yeah you have you have uh, two camps one of them is wiped out mm-hmm. there's vivisection scenes yeah um yeah yeah you can trace it back through that and then lovecraft was inspired by poe who did uh i wish i brought all this stuff um but he, he did the story where people end up going on this mysterious journey to the south oh, okay um the narrative of arthur gordon pym of nantucket yeah. Um, he, he, yeah, he loved that story. And also At the Earth's Core by um, Edgar Ross Burroughs. Okay. Where you have, uh, there's a drilling expedition and they find these ancient aliens um, who carry out vivisection and uh, they have slaves called Shagoths or something like that. Really <laughs> oh, wow. Um, I didn't know that. But yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, so you can trace it back. So, but um, yeah, so anyway, the uh, short story, uh, John W. Campbell's Who Goes There? Um, definitely recommend reading that if yeah. you're into The Thing. Do you suppose the original The Thing from Another World uh, influenced Invasion of the Body Snatchers? Uh, well, it, yeah, I mean, you had this whole thing in the air in, in the 50s of um, uh, people not being able to trust um your neighbor and and you had the idea of brainwashing was pretty new and spies like that that was coming out of um a lot of it was coming out of the korean war yeah mm-hmm. um yeah and, and spies and and uh you know annihilation being over your head all the time right um yeah so i, I think it played into the zeitgeist i don't know if it was an actual direct influenced on uh, jack finney but yeah, I think the idea of, of uh, having yourself replicated and replaced mm-hmm. and having, you know, whatever the evil is hiding inside you, mm-hmm. I think that that definitely is a, sort of a literal telling of the subconscious fears that a lot of people had lurking in their heads. Yeah. For sure. And whether it was communism or consumerism or right. conformity, you know. The big C's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the C words. Yeah, the creature in the story is, uh, although it's a shapeshifter, it's a little more similar to the 51 version because it's got some, <coughs> well, I guess it's, it's not true. In the, in the 82, they find that ship that it's building, mm-hmm. but 
in the in the story i'm gonna spoil it they <laughs> at the end they find a, a ship he's building and he's yeah. or no he's built an anti-gravity jetpack thing and some sort of weapon mm-hmm. and they destroy the weapon and right three and they, of they, them they, survive they're uh, afraid that because spring is coming and they're afraid that when the birds come in it will replicate it, a bird and mm-hmm. escape so yeah. they're, they're shooting down the albatrosses. And, yeah, yeah, that whole comes the whole thing. Uh, yeah, there's like loads more people in it. There's like 37 men. Uh huh. And there's cattle and there's all the dogs. Yeah, and the dogs get it and they, they devise some test for blood. Mm-hmm. But then they realize the dogs already have the thing in it, in them. Mm. And then it's gotten into the cows and. Damn it. <laughs> it's everywhere. Yeah. So it, it takes, I don't know, it's kind of a little. A little of a both because the right. the plant uh, growing ability, you know, it, it can reproduce quickly in the mm-hmm. fifty one version is kind of mixed with the shape shifting, and uh, they make some point about like if it if it weighed eighty pounds and it got right. another dog that weighed eighty yeah. pounds now it weighs one hundred and sixty pounds. <laughs> But it can split into two eighty-pound mm-hmm. things or four forty-pound, you know, mm-hmm. and take over that way. Wow, it's a pretty good short story. Yeah, I like breeze that. right through it. Yeah, I it's like only that. maybe fifty pages long at the most. How cool! So let's talk a little more about the thing from two thousand eleven. The the preboot. Yeah, they they didn't want to give it a, a you know a subtitle. Yeah, they thought it'd be disrespectful, but yeah, I think they should have called it the thing. Those crazy Swedes, <laughs> those wacky, wacky Swedes. Well, it was it was really kind of cool where the um, the snowcat vehicle plummeted into that just huge crack in the snow and got wedged face down. I thought that was pretty cool. I wasn't expecting anything like that. Mm-hmm. I thought, oh, something's going to pop up out of the snow. Or their headlights are going to reveal something at some point, and they're going to be like, oh, shit, what's that? But that part where they... Now, I don't know if they needed to make the underground stuff so vast. Um, that that kind of felt like maybe they, they scaled it up too much. Well, in in the, the Carpenter one, they, you can read it, that Alan Dean Foster did this novelization of the... The movie, which is really good, okay, and it's got the bits that they had in the, the earlier screenplays, which they left out the movie, and one of them is this crevasse scene where they um, they chase the thing dogs out onto the ice, right, and uh, they come across this crevasse, and the the thing dogs attack them from that, right, um, yeah, but they they had to drop it for time and budget reasons, sure. Yeah, I heard for the 2011 they wanted to have some scene that you got the idea that the thing had been picked up by another alien mm-hmm. uh, who collected a- animals from all over. Yeah, you and see the it, pilot in the in the ship. Yeah, and it crashed. Oh, but I guess the uh, so it was I just guess a they cut that, but they were going to add some more into when she's in the ship at the end. To kind of give you that suggestion, but it tested poorly because they felt like it was too much information, too much tacked right on mm-hmm. at the end. Extra story ideas, yeah, and to it, try it to digest. Killed the the pacing. Yeah, I could see why they would have steered away from it, but it is kind of cool to think of it as like, oh, this was just a a big mason jar with a thing that 
<laughs> some other creature had collected. <laughs> that is a cool idea. Yeah. And once it ate the pilot, it gained all its knowledge, which is something they make a big deal of in the book. Yeah. That's kind of an or interesting short idea. Short story. Sure. They're afraid that once it becomes a man, it must absorb your thoughts because it couldn't just act like you from being a being from a different world. Right. So it'd have to kind of absorb you to, to be able to hide with amongst you. How long do you think it's going to be till we get fracking horror? Other than oh, the real horror that <laughs> ensues from I your water you being just, polluted or whatever happens. But. I think you just wrote a, a sci-fi movie at the mm-hmm. very least. <laughs> Made for sci-fi movie. We're fracked. <laughs> yeah, we're fracked. Fracknado. Frack you, you frackin' frack. That could be another name. <laughs> So, uh, were you pretty well buying into this movie early on, Will? Yeah, the 2011. One. Yeah. Yeah, I enjoyed it. It's got, it's got major things going against it, you know, even before you start watching it, though, hasn't it? All the, oh, you know all the bitching. <laughs> right. You know well, how yeah. it ends, yes. <clears throat> With a husky running away from a helicopter. <laughs> right. So, yeah, um... Yeah, it has these major things going against it going in, but uh, I think they did a good job. Well, you mentioned earlier that they didn't want to disrespect the original. I thought they did a good a good job of, of, oh, yeah. of being like, thoughtful about replicating all the base and Yeah. Yeah, equipment. I thought they did I thought I think that part entertained me most having watched the 82 one just the day before was yeah. remembering everything that they encounter at that camp and how they replicated it. Yeah. Yeah, that's it's crazy. It's crazy to think that uh that so many people just jump on the bandwagon of hating something and and uh given a fair chance you could say, well, you know, maybe this isn't a 10. Maybe it's a 7.5, but it's not a fucking 3. Quit acting like it's so terrible. It's it, they they tried. Well, another, they get, they gave it a good thing, shot. Uh, uh, going into it also knew that the uh, physical effects uh, a lot of it have been covered over by cg yeah uh but if you look at the um uh you you can see footage of the the physical effects they were working from and they're amazing yeah uh like uh, the intent was to have uh, these really well articulated creatures and then parts of them like tentacles and a few limbs will be cg yeah so it'd be a right. mix yeah, and that's, but they're, they're really impressive. Yeah, I thought it looked good. This, I thought, it was uh, it was kind of mind blowing of how bizarre it was. It was pretty in weird. a way that <laughs> I don't think the Carpenter one. I think maybe it's just because I've seen the Carpenter one a hundred thousand times. <laughs> uh, you know, I thought they they had some really neat designs on this one that were. You know, pretty gross-looking things. Oh yeah, they were. I did not care for the spaceship at the end because yeah, I could do without another biomechanical-looking. That yeah. didn't make sense to me because she she um they crawl out onto the top of the ship yeah and then these vents, vents open. open up and she falls into it. But then the next thing she's walking down a corridor. How do you get from? Yeah, the they room. didn't explain that. She the woke up on the ship. floor. Right. Yeah, in a hallway. Um, Vents do not give onto an interior corridor. I don't care what alien species. Yeah, are. and she fell far enough that 
you know. Yeah, yeah, she yeah. falls into this bottomless dark. Yeah, pit. it didn't. You couldn't tell. Did she slide down? Is it sloped? Yeah, I, I, that, that whole scene could have been cut and not I hurt th- it. Yeah, I think maybe they had a. Maybe they cut something out in the middle there. Yeah, if the the pacing feels weird to me, it's like there's this nice slow build up, mm-hmm. and then almost everyone gets wiped out in yeah. this one scene, and then uh, then it goes all kind of close encounters and. Um, I uh, yeah, I enjoyed it all right. Yeah, it was. Uh, of the three, it's the least. Yeah, it's so unnecessary. Yeah. It's totally unnecessary. But it's better than I thought. Yes. I really thought it was going to be quite I, bad. I thought they were going to explain everything. I still don't understand how the Colin the radio guy managed to cut his own throat like that. Oh, yeah. Well, that was weird. Yeah. I don't buy that. No. That is weird. I did like that they settled whether or not the guy at the end of the 82 version, who's with McCready, I can't remember his oh, name. Charles. Yeah. Charles is whether or not he's the thing or not. Mm. Because he has an earring. Right. Yeah, yeah. At the end, which I I like that little add-on. I thought that was that was kind of nice. Because mm-hmm. you, you, I mean, maybe they, they shouldn't have because they spoiled it for Right the 82 version but because you never really knew is that guy really him you also don't see his breath yeah and then you know my friends and i are like well maybe the alcohol i remember <laughs> thinking at one point that may have done that may have proved it we we had a lot of debate hmm. at the time like who is he yeah i think it, like there's, there's there's been like the comic series and in uh they Charles and McCready survive in the first comic series. Okay. Um, but he, Charles dies of, he gets frozen to death in, in one of the versions. Mm. Um, yeah. There's also a short story called The Things, where it's told from the creature's point of view. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it arrives on a planet and everyone's like shooting at it and burning it. It's like I'm just trying to replicate yeah, just and stuff. Like, if you just let me take over the planet, I can bring peace, you know. Yeah. Real gross looking peace. <laughs> Did you like the idea of drilling for a tissue sample into the block of ice? I think it was a really nice shot. I really like that. It looked shopping. cool, yeah. But uh yeah, it's pretty dumb. Well, it reminded me more of Reptilicus than uh, <laughs> a scientific Reptilicus made for sci fi movie. No, no, no. no, no. Reptilicus. It's a Danish monster movie from the 60s where they uh, they find this, what turns out to be this dragon in the ice. Have we talked about this they, before? They just find it because they're drilling for something and then when the bit comes up, it's got flesh around it. Oh. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. You can see a clip of it in The Monkeys. All right. <laughs> Uh, yeah, the, the TV series very, with, the, with the band. TV series, yeah. Uh, no kidding. Yeah, yeah, it's an entertaining Danish monster movie. Wow. So, is it like so bad it's good, or is it actually good? I wouldn't say it's good. It's not terrible. It's it, entertaining. Yeah, especially if you see the original Danish version, which has this like comedian in it, and it has a reptilic oh. flies and oh, I don't stuff. Is I don't remember him flying. It's a giant monster movie. Come on. Yeah. 
I'm entertained. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Easily pleased. So and they... then you have the giant mantis that also comes out of a big block of ice. Yeah, and so like uh, uh, there's an X Files episode called Ice, where mm-hmm. it's there's they they're at this Antarctic base, I think. Yeah, and uh, there's these microbes that can take over people. There's a Doctor Who story called Seeds of Death, I think. But uh, about this this ancient plant creature called the crinoid that can take over people, takes over any animal life. Crinoid. But yeah, yeah, so that, that's another definite nod to the thing. Yeah. The now, three things. <laughs> now, I think one of the better looking shots in the 2011 the thing was uh, when they autopsy the um, the when the thing is killing Hen- Henrik and they firebomb it, they take the um, they take the remains and they're autopsying it and then they see the partially absorbed Henrik inside it. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought that was like super creepy looking because it's like, is it digesting him mm. or is there some morphing going on? He's kind of translucent, mm-hmm. right? And you can see like his teeth and part of his jaw mm-hmm. and the muscles on top of that. And um, so um, Kate figures something out at this point in time that the titanium plate is floating around in mm-hmm. there. And she realizes that, you know, she asks the other guys, well, what's up with this titanium thing? And they're like, yeah, well, he had a broken arm and, you know, obviously that couldn't be part of the replication. So she figures that out pretty early in the movie. And mm-hmm. that plays in later, of course. She finds a handkerchief full of uh, yeah, she finds the fillings on the bathroom floor. And, yeah, yeah. At first, I thought, "Is that buckshot?" Who, I don't remember <laughs> anyone getting shot, but yeah, it was fillings. Yeah, and then there's a bunch of blood in that tub. Mm-hmm. And it was too late. The thing was on the helicopter already. Right. Yeah, she just figures it out and runs out and flags down the helicopter. And then, yeah, the helicopter crashes, and then the, two of the pilots show up later. Hmm. And you don't know, or they... Isn't that a great shot in the helicopter where you think it's the guy who's sick? Yeah, yeah. And so you're watching him, mm-hmm. but then the guy across from him, his face his suddenly face goes... His face, like, kind of skews and yeah. splits open and starts screaming. That was a great shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no <laughs> no way they could have done that better. I think that looks mm-hmm. so awesome. And watching the helicopter, it didn't just, you know, do the usual helicopter crash. You know, you see it, like, kind of starting to move really funny mm-hmm. and then it goes behind the the uh, snow drift you don't or the hill whatever you don't really see it crash but you hear it you hear it and then you see the smoke yeah there's not the usual spectacular you know weird sound and the alarm beeping and then the fiery <laughs> crash and the big ball of fire right. come up so you know that was pretty thoughtful of them as movie makers but uh well they've got to keep it ambiguous because the the, the pilots two pilots show up, yeah. Yeah. And when they do, you know, you think, oh, this, there's nothing good going to come of this. <laughs> <laughs> and nothing does. Nothing good comes of anything in this movie, does it? <laughs> it just shows that everything goes to hell. Right. But, uh, and keep watching the skies. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. But, yeah, the but kill after kill, it just got more and more gory. And... I wondered why there was so much flamethrower availability in Antarctica. 
in the short story, they talk about they're there to clear snow. Yeah, they've got to unfreeze the vehicles. And yeah, things. that's it. The oh. DC three or whatever. They don't. They don't. Uh, explain it in the movies at all, do they? No. Just like we I happen they, to have flamethrowers. I think they mention some, there's some brief mention in, in the 82 version, uh, something about clearing snow, but it's pretty brief, mm. and it's not real clear that that's what it is. I don't think if I hadn't read the story, I wouldn't have made the the jump to, oh, they're cl- you know, they're clearing out a landing strip or whatever uh i liked how what's her name kate there's just walking around with the flamethrower on her back in a burning room right uh there's a reason they don't use flamethrowers and warp too often because they're not real stable and then you have a big giant drum of gasoline strapped to your back Mm -hmm. you know why they don't use them indoors a whole lot in in real life because shit burns down Uh i don't know how these places didn't burn down like immediately like people's houses burn down because their christmas lights get a little too hot but uh when kate was walking around with that that other woman there was like only one other woman in all of uh, no, she's she's the woman who's in Ten Cloverfield Lane, isn't she? Yes, Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Yeah, mm-hmm. so that's Kate, and there's a po- there's a point at which she's walking around with this other woman, and that other woman suddenly changes, and she yells to uh, what I made the note flamethrower guy, which we find out his name is like Piotr, P- Peter, basically, whatever mm-hmm. the Swedish version of the name Peter is, and he like immediately lights her up, and. Uh, then, of course, they they cut to the next scene where there's this big bonfire funeral going on outside. <laughs> Viking funeral. Yeah, basically. So she, at this point, tells everybody, this could be inside of anybody. You know, because she was just walking around with this woman, and suddenly the woman changed. And I think this is a great turning point in the story, because now it's not just her being aware and having seen fillings and having seen the titanium plate and kind of putting it together. And she looked at the cells under the microscope. Now she's like, hey, all y'all, let's see your fillings because it could be any one of us. No matter how normal you mm-hmm. might look, you could be the thing. And her idea of looking at their fillings was brilliant. Well, they started to make some tests, but then... Oh, the lab burned down. burned the lab down. Whoops. <laughs> I wonder how that happened. <laughs> So that was kind of cool too, um, but she, but she does take those survivors from the plane crash and lock them up, if I remember right. Yes, and uh, yeah, she 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 can separate out people who haven't got fillings. So there's that 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 line that uh, what's his name says like, uh, so I'm going to be torched just because I floss. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the other guy is like, I have porcelain fillings. Right. Mm-hmm. So she she separates them out and so she's still not certain. She yeah, what's she what, doesn't but... trust them. And then the two pilots, they left somebody to watch him who I think is a thing. Yeah, in the in the story they they do the rule of four, don't they? So you could Yeah, have, you have to be in a group. You know, a group of four at any one time. Mm-hmm. But in the movies they can only do on People are just wandering off on their own all the time. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a more of a free-range situation. Yeah. yeah, and they make a big deal in the in the short story that there's no locks because what yeah. is anybody going to steal right. there? <laughs> yeah. So there's no way to keep things out? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Of course, they've got the, the guys from the, from the helicopter crash locked up, and when they go to check on them, 
Oh, the boards are smashed and they're they're gone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they dug out underneath and. Now maybe they weren't even things yet. Maybe they got thinged when they were out there. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think uh, I don't think uh, the one pilot, the white guy, I don't know his name. Uh, I don't think he changed till the end once they got in the spaceship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because she he went after her. If he was a thing, why would he? Yeah, because he, he, he go he down goes, there. When they arrive, he's still got his earring. And then, mm-hmm. And, and it's only out, when they not. get into that snowmobile thing. The snow cat. The snow we cat. We could call it the snow cat for lack of a better term. <laughs> she notices that he doesn't have an earring. Yeah. And she torches him. <laughs> She's pretty sharp. Mm-hmm. You got to yeah. give it to her. But then she's stuck out there. I imagine she froze to death. Yeah. Well, that's what I thought about this whole thing was that um, this whole thing, this whole all these things, <laughs> is that you're you're just that close to just dying because <laughs> the environment you're in. Mm-hmm. Like if if the heat quits working for some reason, anything changes or goes wrong, you're gonna die. Yeah. It doesn't have to be some creature that's turning into other stuff. You all you have to do is just walk. Take a walk. Mm-hmm. You die. Yeah. Um, little little sidetrack here, real quick. When uh, when I was still, I think I was still at the store, and you both had left, but uh, um, I was still working at the art supply store, and I had had a couple conversations with a customer who had done the Antarctica uh, stint of employment a few times, and I got to ask this guy. He was a really cool guy, real nice customer, and uh, I said, "Is it true that?" As part of orientation, they show you the thing. And he says, you know, they had kind of gotten away from that when I did the uh, stint down there the first time. And he said, but uh, it was still available. You could find it. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it was a VHS or a DVD at the time. But he said that was kind of a more of an initiation, not an orientation. Right. It was like, okay, well, it's your first <laughs> night. You have to watch this. And... It's like you kind of might have that feeling of, oh, shit, what have I done when you get down there to begin with? Mm. And then someone shows you that (laughs) in that environment, I think was kind of cool. But, uh, you know, he met his wife there. Yeah, Mm. it was pretty cool. And he said that musicians find other musicians and some of them have brought instruments or instruments have been left there. Mm. People formed bands. They had had clubs, bars, shows. I mean, they had everything like their own little... The culture in going the, on in the carpenter when they have like uh those arcade machines yeah so one of them's asteroids yeah and the other one's heat wave that's kind of hilarious they have a yeah s player with i don't oh, remember what they were watching game shows where they yeah it was like, a game what's behind show, door yeah. number three yeah that's <laughs> goes I, I know how this one ends yeah <laughs> <laughs> and they have all these board games if you watch the board games in the shelves they're, they're all things like uh stay alive and Oh, another one's called Numbers Up. Uh, oh, another nice. one's called Living Memory. It's funny. Uh, I spotted that before anyone ever mentioned it to me. That in Pulp Fiction, when um, when Vincent brings overdosing Mia to Lance's house, mm-hmm. and uh, and they're racing around trying to find the little black medical book, and you see a stack of board games, and um, there's a. Uh, Oh, now I'm drawing a blank on what the other one was, but one of them is life. <laughs> it's it's like survivor and life or something like. But there's what's an operation? Operation and life. That's yeah. what it was. <laughs> yeah, operation and life. Yeah. Also in this the, the rec room, there's a poster like a, there's a VD poster. 
Yeah. <laughs> Did you notice that? I did not. Uh, there's a picture of us, this woman, and then the, the title is something like... Uh, she looks pretty good now, but... They, yeah, it's like uh, they don't wear a label. Oh, yes, like yes. That. They don't come labeled, chum. Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's great. <laughs> yeah, that, that was... Um, so some people have read a lot into that. They said, oh, this, is a, this movie's a metaphor for AIDS, but it's too early. Yeah, it was definitely too early, by yeah. about three years. Yeah, they, they'd years. only just started publishing the reports that year. So yeah, but yeah, it was but, very early for that. But yeah, there's, there's definitely a kind of an STD reference there, you know. Um, a point in the 2011 uh, preboot, um, there's a part where the one guy has to shoot the other guy with a flamethrower. And when flamethrower guy falls over and... It seems like uh, the the gasoline's leaking out, and it's trailing. Oh yeah, in the head. yeah, it's trailing toward the flare. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, there's going to be an explosion. After this explosion, my note says, "I can't even take notes on all on how all hell breaks loose in this scene. I don't know who's doing what. People are turning into things. Things are doing stuff, and people are shooting and setting things mm-hmm. on fire. And I don't even know what's going on for a, a couple minutes. And I finally, I go." All right, but Kate gets a working flamethrower and starts cleaning up. <laughs> um, and I put another note here. Whatever it takes to put an end to this CG bullshit. <laughs> because it did get a little out of control for a minute there. Like, they were going a little wild with the CG. But um, but if uh, the next thing I noticed was that if you chop one crazy crawling bug thing in two, then you get two crazy crawling bug things. Yeah. But they joined back together later. Yeah, that was the arm. Yeah, it started as an arm. It was so terrible. They're, they're going to do something with the leg as well, but they thought, oh, it's just too much. Yeah. Yeah. It, uh... And then my other note here was, when the tandem face thing finally attacks, it gets invited to the barbecue. <laughs> mm. That was good when it, when it shows how that happens, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. What's his name from uh, NCIS? Was it? Yeah, I don't know who, but yeah, he gets that actor gets attacked, and I think he's Adam in the movie, half absorbed. Right? Yeah, that's very really creepy. And and that's the point right there where um, they see the suspicious looking guy take off in one of the snowcats. And at this point, you as the as the viewer don't know is he just like trying to get the hell away from all this, mm-hmm. and maybe he's not a thing, or is he the thing and he's trying to go, you know infiltrate and replicate and yeah he's, he's the like uh he's the equivalent of dr carrington from the first movie yeah um he, he he kind of he gets dispatched pretty quickly you know you expect because he's like the most hated character that you yeah. expect more to be made of his his uh fate but that's over in a second yeah so this is the point where we had previously talked about, like where they finally get to the ship and there's the big vents and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff happens. The weirdest, dumbest thing I couldn't figure out was there's a swirling, very pixely looking energy field thing. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't sure what they were trying to do with that. <laughs> the director calls this the Tetris version. <laughs> the Tetris version. Because he, he his idea was to have the pilot, but they covered it over with that. Oh. Tetris thing. You, oh. you can see like special effects tests where they've got the actual pilot. Okay. 
I, I actually my note was what's up with this pixel porn co- column of energy <laughs> and then um there's some other gob of thing tentacle stuff chasing after kate at that point in time and she gets the grenade and tosses it and uh and the dude f- hits it with the flamethrower and uh and there's well, they make mention of a Russian station that's 50 miles from there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there is hope of making it to possible safety or infecting the Russians with, the, with this. <laughs> it's hard to tell what will happen. Like if you didn't know anything about the spaceship or the creature and you're just blithely minding your own business trying to fight boredom and you're Russian and you're hanging out. <laughs> all of a sudden some people show up and they're not actually people. They might take over really quickly because there's no warning at that point for them. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was kind of a interesting thought. But uh, they do uh, they do wrap it up with uh, the husky running from the helicopter. Yeah, because that poor pilot turns up <laughs> in his helicopter and there's this guy running out. Lars comes running out and he's like, shoot the dog, it's not a dog. And he doesn't know what's going on. Yeah. Carpenter talked a lot about those dogs in the commentary. Mm. You know, there's some stuff that happens that looks like, oh, they're training the dog. Like the dog ducks and kind of turns and then continues running mm-hmm. at one point. And it's because it got freaked out by the helicopter. It was yeah. like only a few feet above its head. Right. <laughs> so I felt so bad when they were hosing that poor dog oh, down in yeah. the kennel. Oh. So you know, that dog was just like, what the fuck, man? <laughs> just quit. It's cold and you keep spraying me with that. What? Why? <laughs> Yeah, all three of my dogs hate bath time. Oh, man, yeah, that poor dog. Yeah, you know that dog was like, come on. But I think the um, was it the carpenter one is the only one where they actually got to film in snow, like yeah. snow conditions. Like the real snow. had to fake it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it it, uh, it looked, well, they were in Alaska for a lot of that one, weren't they? Uh, if I remember yeah. right. The, yeah, the, the. The second and third movies they filmed in like British Columbia and yeah, uh, yeah, they were somewhere near Vancouver, I think. In uh, the the first thing they tried to film uh, in was it North Dakota or somewhere they tried to film on location in snowy conditions, but they picked out these these plains to use as ice fields. Mm-hmm. But uh, when they got there, there was that turned out to be the only area that didn't have snow oh, and this local woman eventually came out and said oh no snow doesn't stay there the wind just blows it off oh yeah so they, they wasted a ton of money and they had to go fake it in los angeles north dakota is a very special kind of place holy crap is it cold there i've been through there on uh amtrak and i want to say a horse with no name <laughs> yeah there were birds and sticks and things um just give the horse a name. Yeah. Come on, you got nothing else to do. Right. Yeah, it's a long ride, isn't it? Yeah. But, uh, yeah, if you go through North Dakota during winter, it's impressive how cold it is. It really is. Like, I would think, could Alaska be any worse? I'm not sure. You know, the Antarctica? Nah, probably not as bad as this. <laughs> it was pretty damn cold the times I went through there. Because I would go during... Um, uh, winter break from college i'd go back and see the family and it was always like uh oh, gotta go through north dakota to do that it was pretty bad 
so I can understand where the ground is too cold to hold snow and the wind was too fast to allow the snow to just stay. I could see that totally happening there. Anywho, uh, between these three movies, it's pretty obvious that, you know, most people gravitate to Carpenter's The Thing. But I feel like they're missing out if they don't watch the other two. Oh, uh, yeah. And I think a lot of people haven't seen them. Um, yeah, the first one, it really needs to be released properly. There's like this bare bones DVD where you get you just get the movie and you get a re-release trailer and that's it. Wow. Uh, but this is like a seminal science fiction monster movie. It really needs to be presented, like restored, put out proper edition. Yeah, yeah. There's no reason not and, to. And I think once that happens, it'll be reassessed again. Yeah, well, it deserves it for sure. Yeah, and I, I do remember hearing about this as a kid before I ever saw it. When I finally did see it, it's like, oh, this is a great scary movie. Mm-hmm. But then watching it with different eyes years later, it's it's more important than all that. It's not just a scary movie. It was groundbreaking. It was something that had not been done before. And then it was done again by somebody who really cared about the original. And that's the thing about John Carpenter that people need to recognize is that mm-hmm. he gave respect to... Yeah, he loves that movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, he uses bits of it to say that, it, you know, to make his movie kind of a sequel. <laughs> yeah, and, and then there's clips of it in Halloween. Yeah. And he loves Howard Hawks. Oh, yeah. Oh, so. yeah. How can you know Makes pretty good movies. <laughs> For sure. I love the fact that the helicopter has appeared, and I promise our listeners this is not any sounds we've added. If you hear the helicopter or the dog barking, <laughs> that's our neighbor's dog. Some Norwegian guy yelling. It's more likely a police helicopter looking for some escaped madman Kill or criminal. <laughs> we get criminals running around in this neighborhood that need spotlight. Oh, apparently. man, we get so many going through our, our place. Yeah. Yeah. It's because like we're we're halfway down this block and it's like the largest yard on yeah. the block and it's uh, there's lots of trees it's pretty dark so every criminal that that goes on the run goes through our place <laughs> so you get this, this <laughs> like we, we had this like one time there was this uh, policeman who you know he looked really young but he, he was like he, he was kind of embarrassed because he knocked on the door and like this. They'd had this guy under arrest. They had him in their car, but he managed to get out. <laughs> he ran away. Oh, man. You're supposed to close the door. <laughs> hey, rookie, close your door. Yeah, but we, we, we kept straight faces, but <laughs> poor guy. Didn't laugh at him. Like, you know, he so obviously desperately wanted to catch this guy before anyone found out. Oh, man. So, Will, if you had to rank these three movies, the three things, if you had to rank them in order of... Uh, your favorites, your personal favorites from um, favorites. You'd go 51, 82, 2011. Okay. Yep. The order, the order in which they were made uh-huh. or released anyway. And, and a large part of that is just absolute nostalgia for the, for the original one. <laughs> yeah, I would say that's pretty fair. I mean, you, you know, to just say that, you know, you're going to remember that stuff well. Yeah. But, uh, I don't. I don't intend to ever steer anybody away from the remake. So, the, what, what do you like best? Well, I would say for sentimental reasons, I will always like the Carpenter one the best. But the original, um, the Howard Hawks one, is not far behind. 
uh, I do love a good old black and white movie that really sets a mood and, and really makes you believe what it's doing. Mm-hmm. And that movie is one of them. Uh, so I would say they're, you know, it's a, the, the original's a close second. And, and uh, this new one, this 2011, the thing is, is perfectly fine. I will recommend that people check it out. It'd be interesting to hear from someone who'd not seen the previous ones. If yeah. they're coming oh, yeah. to that one first. I was wondering found. that watching it, if they would, how would that movie play mm. if you had no experience with the thing? Right. That's an interesting thought. And if any listeners know any scenarios or if that is your own thing, your, your own personal experience, let us know. Write us on... Give us a message on Instagram or Facebook and let us know. Because I think that would be kind of cool to hear. Like, what's that like? And uh, as we start to sort of wrap this up, um, I do want to say that, uh, yes, we've gotten some, uh, you know, some good ratings and some good reviews on iTunes. And if you have a moment, go do that. It only takes not even a minute or two to just write something. You could just say, it's awesome. I like it. And give mm-hmm. us five stars and you're done. Uh, it does help other listeners find us. And we're not doing this for any other reason. Um, have you guys gotten paid yet? A <laughs> little bit. <laughs> I've been selling bootleg copies of our our past episodes. Converting them to VHS. Yeah. <laughs> selling them to hipsters. Yeah. <laughs> I think we should, uh, we should uh, copyright some of our ideas. Oh yeah, right. we, yeah. Should, we should for sure. I think they should do this like TV game show called "Who Goes There," yeah, where the celebrities are tied to their chairs. Oh yeah, and then you have Vanna White with a flamethrower, and oh, they're yeah, and they're asking questions about you know who plays for the Dodgers or something like that. Yeah, well, that was always how they got commies. Right. Oh yeah, baseball <laughs> questions. Yeah, baseball questions. And if they don't get them right, then Vanna White opens up. I like it. I remember seeing a uh, a bit of a bit of footage from a German film on how to spot USGIs from World War II, <laughs> and they had these guys dressed up as Americans. One of them was drinking a Coke, and the other one was smacking a big piece of gum in his mouth, mm. and that's that was how you told if you know if they were Americans. I like drinking Coca Cola and chewing bubble gum, wearing Mickey Mouse ears, and yeah, high fiving. <laughs> uh, there was a uh, in the in the Ferris Bueller Godzilla. Um, I'm sorry, what? The Ferris Bueller Godzilla, <laughs> the one with Matthew Broderick in it. I don't know that one. Yeah, the '98 version. I don't think that movie ever came the out. First I heard they just they stopped production at some point. Decided it wasn't a good idea. Tell yourself whatever you need to tell yourself to, to preserve. And they the good certainly memory. didn't make like raptor size Godzillas. No, why would they do that? That was silly. They it was a they silly wouldn't... idea. I'm glad they failed. Mm-hmm. Uh, the uh, the French actor Jean Reno uh, at, at the one point he's handing sticks of gum to all of his guys. Right. Oh, that's right. <laughs> he says, uh, "Someone asks him, what are you doing?'" He goes, "Makes us look American," and they're all standing there chewing gum. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they totally looked American. <laughs> and then he says, "Thank you very much," <laughs> just like Elvis. So, um, yeah, it's it's easy to act like one of us. Just be really, really crass. And, and- ignorant <laughs> yeah if anyone asks you any questions about your own country then if you know the answer then you're probably not right yeah you're not, you're not a you're not born and bred if you if you know too much about history <laughs> yeah all right uh 
we've not really decided what to do for next time. Uh, but do, do you guys want to watch Phantasm Ravager and then just do, yeah, do a podcast sure. on it? So it's out sure. by then. Let's do that. That'll give our listeners a chance to um, either find a theater. It's not going to get a big theatrical release, but uh, find some place to watch it or video on demand. It's probably going to be a five ninety nine or six ninety nine rental. That's right, six hundred ninety nine dollars. And uh, The Shining is playing theaters towards the end of the month. I heard about really? that on the twenty third. Huh. How cool! Excellent. It's playing a bunch of Denver theaters. And it's playing one in Boulder. I told Stephen Graham Jones about it because he's doing this uh, horror story writing workshop at the uh, the hotel, the yeah. Stanley. Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Imagine doing that. He's gonna go completely mad. Yeah, you know how all the stories are gonna come out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's great. Maybe we could give her, give him our idea about uh, fracking horror. <laughs> yes. Well, I think he listens, so he'll know. Yeah, well, we got we we have to talk to him and get him on the show before the end of this mm-hmm. glorious month of October. Well, I said we should get together and watch The Shining, but that would be cool. Yeah, didn't, didn't seem to bite. No, Stan Yan would be all over that. Mm-hmm. Try it again. Loves The Shining. We can go see The Shining. Come on, Shining, everyone. Come on now. Well, should we get out of here? <laughs> sure. All right. Well, listeners, thank you for listening. Thank you. Stay off the motors. Oh, sir. Just one more thing. No, Lieutenant. There is no just one more thing. Goodbye.